Hello, my name is Curtis Merriweather Jr. You are listening to the Business Theologist Podcast. This podcast is for new and seasoned business professionals looking to uncover knowledge gems. This podcast is unlike other business podcasts because we endeavor to create a synergistic relationship between business, management, scholarship, and theology. In addition to being an executive leader, I am also a doctoral candidate. The insights shared on this podcast will give you an edge over the competition. Whether you're an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, or executive leader, or someone looking to change careers, I invite you to travel along this learning journey with me. Buckle up and let's get ready for the ride. Let's go. This is the initial episode. Thank you, first of all, for taking time out of your busy schedules to to listen um, and come along this new journey with me. I pray that this journey that we're getting ready to begin over the next, um, over the next, for however long this podcast goes on, I pray that it's uh, impactful for you. Um, Just to kind of give you a quick, what we're trying to do here. The podcast, this podcast is specifically for aspiring and seasoned business fit professionals just looking to uncover some gems. Folks looking to get the competitive edge over their competitors, um, both internally and externally in their organizations. Um, So this podcast is unlike other business podcasts in which I've surveyed. I've looked at a look kind of across the business podcasting terrain. And I haven't quite seen a podcast quite like this one. Now, let me go ahead and throw my caveat out there. There are lots, and I do mean lots, of business podcasts. But I think we are unique in that we're really looking to bridge the gap between business, management, and scholarship. So when I did a survey, I seen great business podcasts, I seen great scholarly podcasts, but I didn't see, and maybe one, I just didn't see it. I didn't see a podcast that looked to bridge the gap between the two in a practical way, not just to come and give you theory and spout theory and all these great things, um, but to show how we can take theory and actually do something with it. So one of the things I'm endeavoring to do in this new journey that I've embarked upon is to become a practitioner scholar, not a scholar practitioner. So, but a practitioner scholar. So be a practitioner first, a scholar second. Um, So that's what I'm endeavoring to do versus being a scholar first and a practitioner second. I want to make sure that I am relevant in the marketplace and I want to make sure that the thing, the scholarship that I am applying has real world application. There's a big, um, it's a big, there's a book that was written on engaged scholarship. And it talks about that. Basically, how do we take the scholarly things, the academic context and apply it to the real world? Oftentimes, scholars are deemed to be non-relevant. Um, they come up with these things in their ivory tower and there is no application to the real world. So that is what I do not want to become. So my focus is on thought leadership and practitioner scholarship. And I'm focusing on the practitioner first. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a corporate exec like many of you. 
And I'm paid for results, not based on how well of a theory I can spout off my brain that I can't apply. So looking at things that have definitely real world applicability and doing things in such a way where the organizations that I support become more efficient, um, more profitable and increase market share through growth opportunities. It's really, really what I'm looking to do. Um, so if you haven't kind of figured out already, I'm, I'm a business executive currently, and I'm also a PhD candidate. Now, I'm not in a traditional PhD program, but I am at a great school, um, which I would not call the name of the school right now. But I am at a great school, and I'm in an executive program, which basically means that once a month I go to campus from, well, the first, the first week of every semester, first week of class, and I go to class monthly. I'm there for about four days, like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then each following month, I'm there, uh, well, classes at least, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I'm in class pretty much starting at 8 o'clock in the morning to about 5 in the evening, sometimes 6, um, once a month. So when I'm not in class, we have a variety of assignments, reading assignments, maybe papers to write. And of course, the program that I'm in and the program I chose, I'm doing my PhD as I go. So like I just finished my draft qualitative paper back in the spring. My first qualitative final paper will be due in December. Then next year, my quantitative paper. And then I'll have a mixed methods paper or integrated paper. And then the fourth year, which is no no classes. So I got I just finished my first year of classes. I'm getting ready to go into the second year, my second year of my PhD program with classes, third year classes, fourth year, there are no classes, just finishing up your dissertation. So I chose this particular program. So if you're looking at doing a PhD program, I chose this particular program because it allowed me to write my paper as I go. So I didn't want to be stuck with, okay, I'm learning all this cool stuff. And now at the end, I'm trying to pull together a two, three, 400 page, however long document to uh to get the uh the designation of a um phd you know once that proposal proposal has been defended and paper has been written and it successfully stood up to its defense and then of course you're awarded your phd so i chose a program that would allow me to write my paper as i go so i'm a i'm a business executive like many of you so i still work full time and then i go to school quote unquote part-time but my part-time school is like another job in and of itself but no complaints here it is what I signed up for and I have truly 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 um, enjoyed the process so as I've made this decision to become a business scholar um, I want to get an edge over um, the competition um, mainly myself and I want to be the best version of me that I could be. I'm kind of one of those personal development, self-help guys, always looking to get a, get an edge. Now, I must admit, I used to read a whole lot of those self-help books a while ago. Now I read a lot of different things. I may read, um, I may read biographies and I read a bunch of now scholarly literature. And then I find times to read fun stuff. So, you know, since I've been in this program, my reading schedules are almost kind of dictated to me in terms of the the, uh, the, the amount of reading that I have to do now on a monthly basis. So don't have a lot of time to do quote unquote 
liberal reading or reading in my spare time um, because I'm either reading or writing now trying to get through this program. But I've historically been a seeker of knowledge and new information, always trying to get an edge, always learning something new, just one of those lifelong learner types. And now with a PhD program, I don't, I've been in school a long time between my undergrad, two master's degrees, and now a PhD. I've been in school for a while, but I enjoy the learning process and uh, I find it very, very rewarding. So one of the things that I have learned in all of over my career thus far is that the difference between success and failure is often what you do or do not know. So what I know can give me the edge and what I don't know can leave me at a disadvantage. So because of that little um, helpful tip, I have been proactive and always trying to increase the knowledge base. That doesn't mean I know everything because God knows I don't. But uh, I, I always try to um, always trying to push the envelope and always trying to be better. It's just a personal quest of mine that I think was just instilled in me in the early years. And, and you know, kind of when I was being child reared or growing up as a teenager, uh, my dad always instilled in me the the importance of education and knowledge and learning. And I think I took that and I found myself on this quest for lifelong learning, both inside and outside of a classroom context. So, you know, I'm really just inviting you guys to kind of come on this learning journey with me. Um, I think it's going to be an amazing journey. Um, I do not know how long this podcast will go at a minimum. I've committed to at least the next three years while I'm in this PhD program um, at a minimum. Um, and I guess we'll see what happens once that's over. I do not foresee the the podcast ending um, prior. I, I see this being a pretty long term venture of mine. Um, you know, my my wife is a podcaster. And after watching her do her podcast for a while and her podcast is heard in 30, 37, excuse me, countries. Um, so, hey, you know what? I could probably put some content and content out in the world that other people may find of value to. So she kind of really encouraged me to take this step and take this leap and go down this path. So I guess what I can do just briefly, um, don't want to make this an entirely super long episode. This is our our episode now I will go ahead and tell you next week oh my god it's going to be a great episode um, I have a special guest and we're going to talk about leadership next week and I have a an expert I mean he's written seven books hundreds of articles and he's going to be a treat but this week I just kind of want to you know provide a little bit of uh, a little bit of context um, like I told you guys before I did study engineering um, at the University of South Carolina, I did pursue two, two, two masters, MBA and a master's in project management. I got those degrees from the Citadel and I'm pursuing my PhD now. Um, when I graduated college, I did go and work for DOD and I stayed at DOD for about seven years. And when I left DOD, I was a GS 14 equivalent um, there about we were not on the GS scale. We were on the demo project, so 
just to kind of provide some context. So I started out supporting the chief engineer for communications. Um, after doing a fairly decent job for him, I was put on loan to the assistant secretary of the Navy's office for research, development, and acquisition. Um, I won't call gentlemen's names. I don't even know if that gentleman's even still there anymore. I don't think he is, but um, but I supported him for a little while back and forth at the Washington Navy Yard between my hometown. And after doing that role for a little while, I had some mentors in my life, which when I call names, I only call first names. Um, I will not call full names unless I have the person's permission. So it was a gentleman named David and it was another gentleman named Mike. My ex name was Michael, but he went by Mike. And they were great mentors in my life at that time. And they said, hey, you're doing a lot of great staff work. I was doing work on the chief engineer staff and then I was staff support to the assistant secretary of the Navy's office for research development and acquisition. We call that office the ASN, ASN, RDA Chang's office. So I was doing great work at that, at that, uh, at that office and I was still in my mid twenties at this time, mid, mid to late twenties. And this, uh, mentor came in my life and said, Hey, you're doing great things at the staff level, but I need you to get more technical. And I listened to him and I took a, I asked for a, a, a reassignment and I was reassigned into what they call at the time, they went through a little bit of change, a technical code. And I did some support for the missile defense agency, still working for DOD, but the agency in which I worked for, we were um, Navy working capital. So we only got a, a, a portion of our budget from the Navy and the rest of our budget. We operated very much like a contractor shop with a government hat. It's the only way I can describe it. And so we had to go out and find, find work, get to find projects to make up for the shortfall in which we had in our budget. So in doing that, one of the programs in which I was assigned was supporting the missile defense agency. And that was a cool program. It allowed me to travel the world. We did work in Northwest Virginia. We did work in Hawaii. We did work in Italy, Sicily, Germany, um, Japan, Bahrain. I mean, our teams were going all over the place installing the portion of the system. And I make sure I don't get into a classified conversation on this hot mic. Um, we install systems um, globally in support of the program in which I was supporting at that time. So around um, 2008, I got the bug and decided I want to go be a business. I want to learn the business world. So, of course, in engineering school, they do not normally teach you a lot of business. I didn't even take an engineering management class in my engineering program. It was all, you know, statics, dynamics, calculus, one, two, three, four, physics, one, two, chemistry, one, two. I mean, you get the idea. Signals and systems, circuits, one, you know, um, digital logic, stuff like that. And then, of course, I majored in computer engineering, so it was a good bit of programming. So at the time, we were learning Java. I had had some experience in languages like C++. So um, we learned no business. And, of course, when I got in this role, and especially when um, my mentors learned that I was pretty decent in front of the customer, they started putting me on the road. And they literally taught me how to sell, how to put together a PowerPoint presentation, how to pitch it. Helped me understand that the program managers were not really as concerned about um, how cool my technology was. As long as it got their job done, as long as it made their mission, as long as we developed, developed it and it delivered it on schedule, on budget, all of the technical nuances wasn't something that was really of importance to them. But yet when I looked around, I seen these were quote unquote 
the SESs. These were the guys who were paid more than than we were. Now I, I made decent as an engineer. I had made made a you know I made a very good living doing that. But I started learning that the real power was in the business world. So I went back and I got an MBA and I started learning things that I had not been exposed to prior to that time. So again, I come from an engineering background. So the technologies and Cisco routers and networking and routing and switching and certified ethical hacking, <clears throat> these things were the day, the, the world in which I lived. And I started learning that business made the world go round. And I had great, 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 great mentors. And uh, so I started learning when I got into my MBA program, I started learning about finance and accounting and operations and uh, accounting for managers. And I mean, just opened up my world strategy. And I started really seeing this intersection between engineering slash technology and business. You can have, I learned very quickly, you can have a great idea and you need to hear this old, I remember hearing the engineers say, well, if you build it, they'll come. And that could not be further from the truth. When you build it, you need to be able to market it. You need to be able to price it accordingly. You need to be able to make sure that your value proposition is very well laid out. Make sure you don't confuse your customers. You need to understand if you're doing cost leadership, cost focus, differentiated, differentiated focus. Am I going into the blue ocean? I mean, it's all these different things that needed to be considered outside of the technology. Then Eric Reese came along with concepts like the minimum um, MVP, the minimum viable product. And so, but what I learned was that technology was only a small portion of the overall strategy. I needed to understand who my customer were, what was going to make me different. Why were they going to buy from me? What was my pricing? How do I do the four P's? What is pricing, positioning? And I had to learn all of these things and in doing that, I learned, <clears throat> I learned how um, large government contractors were um, selling um, millions of dollars in, in opportunities to said agencies. You know, whether it was IT services or Intel services or cybersecurity. Although these companies had great technologies, if they did not have a strong, robust business development capture management strategy. To, to sell the idea, you know, positioning it well, telling the story, understanding the hot buttons. If those things were not understood and from a sales perspective and then, so that's one half. And then of course the execution, which is the program and project management, the actual delivery of that. So that they can be in a position to when we win the work in the four or five years or one year, depending on how the contract structured, putting all those things in place so that they can successfully repeat this process. <clears throat> so those were, you know, in a nutshell, though, that was the, the journey that I was on. And then in 2010, I left federal service and stepped my toe into the wide world of government contracting. And, uh, yeah, just, it was, it was amazing experience. I've been a, I've been a government contractor since I've climbed the, the, uh, maybe the social ladder, um, in that regard. And uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. So in this podcast, I plan to fuse business management and scholarship so that we collectively can um, can win more work, become more profitable, increase our profitability. So every week I'll be giving you a weekly installment of things that I've learned either in some of my readings. So some weeks you'll just hear me talking about things that I find interesting. 
and I like to share to my community. Um, other weeks, I may have a special guest in which they're an expert in their field, and they're going to talk about cutting-edge strategies and insights that they have probably spent, in some cases, their whole lives developing their life work to and being able to explain it to you. You're not going to have to read the hundreds of articles that they may have written, but we're going to be able to distill it in bite-sized chunks in which, um, one, you can be introduced to a new concept, or two, you can decide it is something of interest to you and you can go research that information for yourself. So I just kind of want to give you a good, quick little flavor of the podcast. Um, so you know, I kind of told you who I am, kind of talked about what we're going to do here. Um, really explain to you kind of who I am. Of course, as we continue around, continue down this journey, you'll learn more about me along the way. And uh, every week, I want you to tune in. I want you to subscribe to the podcast, rate the show, let me know. I'm going to put my email address and social medias in the in the show notes. So please reach out to me, um, connect with me on LinkedIn. And I want to hear your thoughts, ideas, comments. If there's something you want me to discuss, um, let me know. If there's a guest you want me to bring onto the show, I'll do my best to try to try to get them. I do need you to rate the show. That's going to help us, number one, get discovered by other um, folks just like you who may find this podcast of value. Um, and the second thing I want you to do is leave a comment. Leave a comment. And like I said, please don't be shy, reach out to me on my social media, send me a direct message, send me a note on LinkedIn, connect with me, let me know that you heard the show, let me know how you like it, tell me what you like, what you don't like, because we really, 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 really want to provide something that's going to be of value to the business community, and we do not just want to do another business show, but we want to do a show where we can we can really bridge the gap between business and scholarship. That's really, really what I'm about. Like I said, I found myself in this, this new world of scholarship, and I found a lot of things that are valuable and I like to bring that knowledge base to the world. So um, we're going to keep, we're going to get ready to shut this one down. This is the first or the intro of kind of what we're doing. And again, I'm going to encourage you to tune in each and every week and we're going to do our absolute best to give you um, insight, perspective, and some things you can take away and hopefully um, they will revolutionize your career and whatever sector of business in which you're servicing based on some of the insights and perspectives that I'm going to bring forward on this platform. Well, until next time, I want you to have a great and prosperous week and uh, talk to you next time. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Business Theologist Podcast. Please share, subscribe, and rate this podcast so others can find us too. If you would like to connect with me, please use the links in the show notes of this episode. Please feel free to connect with me on social media as well. I welcome the opportunity to connect and hear from you. Have a blessed week. Until next time.